Hello everyone and welcome back to Flying Backwards, a podcast by me, Phil Peak, and the man from Mosley, who's actually ventured through passport control back into the real world from Mosley to Stockport uh, and he's joined us in the bunker. That's very nice of him, isn't he? Anyway, uh, this is episode 14 and it is called Candles Flicker and it's part one of a two-part episode. So sit back, relax and enjoy yourselves. Hello. Thank you for allowing me into your homes again. It's been a little while since I've spoken to you. Uh, I'm actually back in Phil's hole. Uh, We're socially distancing. Uh, Phil is twiddling knobs and I am speaking into a microphone. Upstairs, the once flame-haired Helen has turned into a princely purple uh, princess and she's making licorice-flavoured teas for me. Uh, Stockport has gone very licorice flavoured. Uh, outside the roads are running licorice and the cars swim through the licorice roads into the licorice town centre where licorice people lick each other. Uh, they don't, I'm just getting carried away there. Um, right, I'm, I'm veering away from the orthodox. Normally at this point I would read you a poem uh, and I'm not going to today because what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a world exclusive. Uh, I'm currently writing a book. Um, I'm now an author. I actually get paid and things. I'm an author. And um, I'm writing a book about the best 1,000 singles of the 1970s, in my considered opinion, that is, of course, not and not that I'm any expert. Anyway, I'm up to 1978, and I'm doing 100 per year, and I wrote this this morning, so this is my choice of number 66, best single of 1978, and it is Bird B-Side, The Way I Walk, by The Cramps, on Vengeance Records, and uh, its British chart placing was Did Not Chart. Um, the Cramps' debut single aimed to out-trash the Trashman's original version of Surfing Bird and succeeded with ease, for few bands have sounded so thrillingly unhinged as the Cramps. Every component part of the band was perfect. Nick Knox played straight, simple and primitive drums. Brian Gregory ripped the script up on how to play guitar and simply made a howling rhythmic noise. The bass from Poison Ivy throbbed, throbbed, throbbed. And singer Lux Interior yelped, crooned, hiccuped and bawled, reshaping vowels as he went. The first half of the song is a fairly faithful, if manic, reading of the song, where the second half is pure psychedelic garage thuggery, and it is quite and utterly brilliant. There we are. There's a a world exclusive for you from a, a book that will not be published. You will not be able to buy for at least 12 months, but there you go. Uh... Don't accuse me of cashing in. All right. um, Where we were up to was um, I'd just formed four candles. I'd been ill with cancer and then we'd formed four candles. And after much um, 
<sighs> After much struggling trying to find, find my voice because my throat had been badly damaged with uh, the various operations, um, we set to work and wrote some songs and we soon all enjoyed it. And uh, we came to uh, play our first uh, gig, which we played at... Um, goodness gracious, we played at the Eagle in Salford. Uh, and we played with an Italian band who, whose uh, music I put out on German Shepherd Records, St Lawrence Verge, who, who were splendid and really splendid company as well, I have to say. Uh, they were very, very uh, sort of uh, gothically theatrical in, in, uh, in the old sense of the world of gothic. They reminded me of a cathedral. Um, anyway, we played the gig... And like first first gigs, you know, it was okay, perhaps a little bit ropey, a little bit tentative. Certainly Mark, would, I think he would admit, the guitar player, was very tentative in the early gigs. He wasn't used to playing his own material and he needed to um, find some confidence and, and self-belief, which did come and, and we knew that it was there because we heard him in the rehearsals. So it was a sort of fairly low-key gig and one that you're pleased to get out of the way. But I do remember I got to, to the back of the room and it was full after we'd played and I leaned against the wall and I felt absolutely terrible. Uh, I felt nauseous, my head was splitting, I'd got pins and needles and uh, I dreaded the prospect of this being a regular thing that would presumably stopped me from playing gigs anyway it wasn't but i just mentioned that because uh because it's the sickest i've ever felt after uh after a gig so so we were doing that uh, we got that under our belt and we played a few more gigs and we went into um the studio and because we've got quite a lot of songs then and you need to get them out of the way that's always been my principle once you build up a a sort of a collection of songs, get them recorded, and then you can move on. You st you write more if you don't if you don't do something with them definitively, they just sort of hang around and you keep playing them and playing them, and you don't progress. So we went into the studio um, with with Ding manning the controls, and um, I insisted that we record a twelve track album in a day. Um, and the rest of the band were not very happy with me. Um, and they were quite grumpy and complained. And and I do understand, you know, that, that it's it, rushing things like that. You're not going to be note perfect. I, I sort of get that and everything. But it was all the money we'd got for one thing. If we'd had more money, I'd have been quite happy to spend it. Um, but we could only spend what we'd got. So we went in and we recorded an album and got it out of the way and then started writing some new songs, which is the best, best thing. Um, so um, I'm going to write you... I'm not going to play you something off the first album because they all played a lot of bum notes because they're crap musicians. My vocals were absolutely perfect, of course. Wow. Um, I'll play, play you something... Uh, <laughs> Uh, that uh, one of the new songs that we wrote shortly after we had recorded it. So, uh, so this uh, our first selection for for this session is from Four Candles, and it's a song uh, about Oscar Wilde. It's about um, 
the uh, sort of show trial that Oscar Wilde was dragged through and the brutal incarceration that was um, inflicted upon him, which effectively um, shortened his life considerably. And um, it's about, not just that, it's, it's about what it signified, which was the end of the uh, a period of of a kind of freedom of expression that a new conservatism was was coming to England and it was harsh and brutal and grey frippery was to be frowned upon everything became brutalist and dull and concrete it was awful for 70 years at least. I mean, you, you think this carried on right to Thatcher and uh, dreadful Clause 28 uh, proposals. So anyway, this is uh, Four Candles Tribute to Oscar Wilde, C33. Three, three. <laughs> Around this 
sort of time, um, punk nostalgia reared its head. Um, it was the 40th anniversary of um, a gig that they attended at the Lesser Free Trade Hall um, that the Sex Pistols played. And uh, there were there's sort of various um, figures thrown about how many people were there that sort of range from 40 to 100. Um, David Nolan actually proved um, that there were 28 paying customers, you know, and then add perhaps an, another 15 people involved in, in the bands, you know, and you've you've some a little over 40 people at, the, at this uh, seminal gig that was being celebrated uh, by BBC's Radio 2. And uh, they invited me to go along and and speak, discuss um, this this event that took place 40 years before with uh, Jordan, who'd been uh, the Sex Pistols' uh, confidant and muse and had run uh, Malcolm McLaren and Vivian Westwood's sex shop and was very much the face of punk, who was there at the Lesser Free Trade Hall on that night. Uh, Peter Hook, who uh, formed a band called Joy Division after that gig, uh, who was also there that night. And David Nolan, who wrote books. A, well, he didn't write books. He wrote a book that has been um, republished several times about said event. Um, and so, so I was invited to do that. Um, and that was that was quite nice to sit there. It was nice. It was nice to sort of uh, sit and have a chat with with Hooky because um, our relationship has been strained occasionally over the years, and it was it was nice to to sit there and um, and talk nicely to uh, to each other, and 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 we came away um, with a sort of rekindled friendship um, from it. Anyway, we talked about the Sex Pistols and uh, there was a free bar. And now um, Peter and David um, both had problems earlier in their lives with, with alcohol and abstain these days. Uh, Jordan and I um, did not. And, uh, and so we, we, we took full advantage of, uh, of the hospitality and I do remember at, at the end, as, as the crew were all packing away, we'd started about one o'clock and we'd been drinking steadily and they were packing the stuff away. And I said to the BBC producer, um, this free bar we've got, how long uh, does it does it carry on? They said, oh, it, it, it's, it's finished now, you know, because we finished the programme. And he looked at, at, at the, my kind of sad Bambi eyes and said... What if, uh, what if I give you a free bar till ten o'clock, <laughs> uh, and 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 that's what I did. So so Jordan and I sat sat there in the lush surroundings of of what used to be the, the free trade hall, and he's now I can't even remember what hotel it is. It's some very posh hotel, overpriced hotel, and uh, and 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 drank all sorts of very expensive cocktails on the BBC's expense account, and told each other very salacious tales that I'm not going to recount on this podcast. Uh, it would be very indiscreet of me, for one thing. Um, it seemed briefly that the BBC decided I was um, going to be one of their go-to guys, a rent-a-quote guy. 
um, because a couple of weeks later um, I was awakened by a telephone and they said you know, such and such a body from the BBC and uh, we would like to inform you that Greg Lake um, has, has died and we wondered if you would care to give a quote on our breakfast show. I said, oh, yes. So they arranged to phone, phone me back later and um, to ask me about my thoughts on Greg Lake dying. Now, clearly, um, they want you to play the game, and what they wanted was a sort of mouthy punk rock uh, response to, uh, to the death of somebody. They wanted me to um, rubbish Greg Lake on, on air. Uh, unfortunately... I happen to like Greg Lake. Um, I quite like Emerson Lake and Palmer. Not many people would agree with me on that, but the but you know Greg Lake was the voice, the bass, and the producer as a teenager of King Crimson's in the Court of the Crimson King. That is that is incredible. That is a genius record, and and just for that. Um, he deserved fulsome praise, which he got. So um, I think the BBC then struck me off their list uh, and never phoned me again because um, I didn't badmouth a dead rock star. Anyway, um, I moved out of my um, sort of dreadful flat that I'd been in for a decade. Um, although, I, you know, when I, when I say it was dreadful, it was, it truly was dreadful. You know, it was like a little cell, a prison. Um, but basically no harm came to me there and it was a roof over my head and uh and I'm grateful for for that but I got did get the opportunity to move into a house in the hills in Mosley as Phil often uh, comments on and it meant that I could um free my record collection up my record collection had been on top of wardrobes and under the bed and things like that, and and finally, I'd got a room where I could unleash my record collection and uh, have one-man uh, discotheque sessions where I would play my singles and dance around to my heart's delight. Um, so so off we went to Mosley, and um, I also became reacquainted around this time with Rick Sarko because Rick uh, came and uh, shot a video for Four Candles for one of the tracks off of our first uh, album for uh, a track called Killing the Image, which was nice because lots of people came and, um, and danced around the streets of Manchester uh, for us. Um, Una and some, some of the, the, the ladies from Popacock came and, you know, various people just danced around and we had fun. It was it was good and it was it was nice it was nice to see Rick because he's a nice person. Anyway, um, we're playing gigs and this is all in a fairly, fairly short space of time. And I'm age fifty nine at this point, and my sixtieth birthday is looming through the year. It's um, it's in June, and and having survived. Um, some of the life-threatening illnesses that I'd had. I wanted to uh, mark it. I wanted to celebrate it uh, somehow. And I decided that I would uh, put a gig on. And I was keen also to put this gig on in Ashton-under-Lyne to drag um, culture 
to Ashton because um, because there isn't much in in Ashton, if if truth be told. You know, it's um, it's a sort of backward town, uh, very much stuck in. Uh, in, in the Stone Age, musically, you know, it's all hard rock and very leather-jacketed and uh, macho, male. It's where um, sort of um, punk rock revival bands go, you know, and, and, and thrive, and heavy metal revival bands, and worst of all, tribute bands to heavy metal bands and punk bands go. And, it, and it, you know, so we went to the Witchwood, which is great venue um you know but normally puts on dreadful music and they put together a bill uh featuring lots of female talent which i thought uh, might be quite revolutionary for ashton underline uh, i wasn't the only one who noticed i remember uh whitney from ill who were playing uh phoned me up instead and said you know do you, do you think ashton is going to be ready for this i said it's going to have to be whitney so um it was um, it was fun plan planning all that. Oh, I did feel um, a bit awkward about it as 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 well. Like I'm, you know, setting myself up as something special. That wasn't what it was about. But I, but but I thought I hope there isn't a perception. You know, that's oh look at me, look at me. Um, it wasn't about. It was about sharing. Uh, <sighs> sharing some love and sharing some music and uh and 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 some of my favorite people uh were going to be there um we for instance um uh, finally put the hamsters to bed after 40 years um we revived the hamsters one last time with bobby and john playing and getting on quite amicably and myself, so that you've got the th three of the four still alive original hamsters, and then we got Phil from Four Candles, Phil who's twiddling with his knobs, um, to play drums without hearing the songs first, which we thought was appropriate. Um, so the hamsters played a sort of very shambolic set. Um, I got to sing with uh, Patrick from the Prick Jaggers, who... Um, Again, as you will know if you've listened to this, uh, to me, an absolutely fabulous band, one of my favourite Manchester bands ever, up there with uh, 10CC and Buzzcocks and The Fall, and I got to sing uh, Lou Reed's Supper Club with Patrick. Uh, Factory Axe played, who are fabulous. Poppycock wouldn't play, they split up the day before, but Una... And Louise came and read some uh, rather delightful poetry, and uh, four candles played, and finally ill played. Uh, it, it was great. It was it was great seeing people um, having a good time and dancing around. And there are people there who it's it's like the it's such a treasured memory for me. It was a lovely day. It really was, and. Um, there are a few people there who are now sadly departed, and I picture them in my mind's eye with uh, with big smiles on the faces, and and that makes it sort of quite poignant. What else was poignant was a, a fella turned up who I hadn't seen in forty years. I'd worked with him uh, in my first job, and we got on fantastically well uh, for most of the 
the time he turned me on to Stevie Wonder and I turned him on to David Bowie and Iggy Pop and things and um, we got on very well for four years but before um, I left we had something of a fallout and uh, I, I, I butted him and, and hurt him uh, quite badly and, and so we left on bad terms and um, he turned up and he was wonderfully magnanimous and and generous. Uh, the the past had to be addressed, you know. We were talking, and I said, you know, we didn't leave on good terms, did we? You know. And he said, don't don't you worry about that. It was my fault. It was my jealousy that led to the situation, um, which was w quite wonderful of him. So I've got wonderful sort of memories of that day. And because I've got wonderful memories of that day, I'm going to play something by Ill, who um, who played very delightful set. And so this is Kremlin by Ill.
Um, this is this is getting repetitive, but um, during during the four candles set and after it at my birthday party, I felt very ill. I'm not a hypochondriac, and I, I know it's, it must sound that way or some sort of flimsy weakling, but I really was ill. And a couple of days later, um, my 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 nearest and dearest Carl looked at me and said your eyes are bleeding and I looked in the mirror and sure enough my eyes were covered in blood they were they were just blood red so uh, there was there was some sort of problem so I went I went to uh, the hospital and uh, they checked me over and they said you've got pneumonia um, it was I'd, I'd sort of gone through the pneumonia I'd, as I said I'd been feeling very ill um, and I, I was sort of um, coming out of it, so they they treated me with antibiotics. But anybody who's had pneumonia will tell you it is a horrible, debilitating illness, and the rehabilitation from it takes several several months. Um, it's not good. You've no strength. Nothing. Nothing's right. It it saps you of all your energy and you're struggling to breathe, struggling to walk, struggling to talk. Um, and, and so it, once again, uh, out of necessity, put um, the band on hold while I recuperated and, and, and built up my strength. Lots of soup and things like that. Uh, and, you know, and love and tenderness. Um being um, quite driven in, in my latter years, um, I, I couldn't do nothing. And I discovered that I could um, croak out vocals into my telephone. I could record vocals. Um, and, and so what I did was I rec only... I recorded a series of spoken word uh, vocals and sent, or, or I'd, I asked Bob Osborne, because Bob does all this so well, he's, he's very organised, very meticulous, and he's got an ear for uh, what suits who and things like that. So I sent Bob these, these vocals to recording on the telephone and he sent them out to people and asked them to um, if they would care to set them to music. And um, I, th I think in total there was, there was maybe 50 tracks and 50 artists um, took one of these these vocals of, 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 of me croaking through my pneumonia into a telephone and turned them, in some cases, into quite wonderful things. Nobody did a bad job. Some were absolutely uh, stunning. And we put the albums out um, for, I, th I think, for, for a homeless charity. It might Certainly for some, some form of charity. And I have a feeling it was homeless charity. We put these two albums out with, with lots of, of fabulous contributions. Um, and so I'm going to play you a couple of tracks off that that I need to tell you about. Um, the first track we're going to play is Psychic Battlefield, which is myself and Factory Acts. And Psychic Battlefield is, is one of 
the the favorite my favorite tracks that i've ever recorded factory acts did an absolutely wonderful job i wanted to play something by them because they'd played at my birthday party and uh susan and matt are lovely people and uh if you've never heard them you should go and go and hear some of their own music uh but i wanted to play psychic battlefield and why i like it so much is because it's as naked as i've ever been um in in a lyric it is um it's very truthful it's about performing on stage which people if you do it a lot people think you find it easy but i've never found it easy it's an absolute um emotional roller coaster for me pouring out my heart and soul on a stage it's a very unnatural thing to do for one thing so anyway you can listen to the song and see what you think. So the Psychic Battlefield by Factory Axe and the other track is Copy Shot, which I did with a dear friend of mine, Dave Thompson, who I'd recorded with before. And um, and why I've included the track with Dave today is because uh, last week Dave sad, sadly died. Uh, he, he, he had a heart attack and collapsed. It was a huge shock. Um, I'll be at his funeral on... Tuesday so this is a, a little tribute to Dave Thompson so Psychic Battlefield and then Copy Shop Nothing can be kept concealed on the psychic battle. 
bearing no protection before the firing squad who wait to shoot. Flaws laid bare, no corrections. Veracity must be absolute. When it's all splashed against the wall, on the truth you stand or fall. Awaiting judgment makes time crawl, and I no longer walk or talk. I doubt everything and everyone I am riddled to the core with doubt And I doubt that I can work this out This compulsion to let it blurt Spewing out a lifetime's hurt Constant digging through the dirt And squeezing pimples until they squirt All the telling of how it is Pain of self-analysis Seeking answers to the quiz In the wonderful world of showbiz <laughs> On the psychic battlefield <laughs>
Spoken Words albums um, set up sort of um, new opportunities for me. People started asking me to do some spoken word gigs. And uh, I'm even less comfortable doing spoken word gigs than I am doing musical gigs. Uh, but being asked um, was, was very nice. I was being asked by nice people who I'd got huge respect for. And, and so I, I wouldn't um decline these these things so um we did um moff skellington is a great friend of mine and a genius uh wanted to do some live work as a sort of uh very alternative cabaret so he wanted to include myself and my other great friend lou pasnavor in uh in these live projects and we played a series of um of gigs with me doing a spoken word section and joining in at various points with loop and with moff on on things and we played these um these uh, events that um moff christened smoke tears will not grow back um and uh, people liked them it's, you know uh, as i say i'm i'm uncomfortable uh with the spoken word thing uh but it was great and i get to see moff and i get to see loop and and what what can be better than that than be with friends who've got huge talent and you get to see them the other person who invited me to do things was jd meatyard now i spoke about jd before and jd's absolutely great and he comes over and he does his little mini tours his independence tour um, and so he was doing a tour, um, a sort of a, a mini tour of the northwest, and and he'd got uh, Tamsin, who I've mentioned before, playing uh, Kim, who's Ken, uh, playing, and a Dutch band Mankes, um, and he asked me to compare it and do uh, spoken word interludes on this mini tour. Uh, that that where we saw the delights of Sheffield and Liverpool, Blackburn, places like that, um, and and again people really liked it. Some pe people uh, were were coming to me asking me um, if I'd got printed versions, and is here is a, so I've written a, I've I just recently written a book uh, containing uh, all my lyrics that should be published fairly fairly shortly. People seem to like them. Um, so so we did these tours and and for me the joy in them is is sitting down and talking to these people who are like and watching them perform and it's and it's nice i mean in in the the, the tour with with jd um whilst um i was comparing you know uh, but i remember both tamsin at one gig and then kim at another gig uh with were there and they were setting up ready to be introduced and they gave both gave me the look and we started um jamming out um a piece a live performance piece an improvised performance piece which opened their set which was very sort of generous spirited of them and 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 
as I say, I'm much more comfortable in a musical setting than a simple spoken word one. So that was cool. So um, uh, I'm going to play you another song. And, and again, it's all very self-indulgent this evening, isn't it? I know I've played ill and I've never, I've never been in ill, um, but everything else has had plenty of me on it. And uh, this is no exception. So, so from the smoke tears um, grow back, as I say, I was play, playing stuff with Lou Paznavor as well as Moff Skellington, and I played you something by Moff Skellington last week with me singing. So this is me with Lou Paznavor, and this is called Justin Bieber Must Die. Justin, Justin Bieber, Bieber Must Die. die, die, die. The sales dropped on the Christmas annuals, but didn't shift all the merchandise. They're still screaming, but they won't scream louder. Ring the juice out of the little guy. Child stars in the shine for life, but child stars must be sacrificed on the altar of corporate greed, playing out the tragedy. There's one more payday when the little girls cry, so Justin, Justin Bieber, Bieber must Bieber die. die. Justin Bieber must die. Justin Bieber must die. Justin Bieber must die. Justin Bieber, Justin Bieber, Justin Bieber must die. The puppy dog eyes don't sparkle so brightly. Chubby cheeks are chiseled and fine. Transition into adulthood, tattooed bad boy pantomime. Child stars are equipped to handle the rise, decline, and the fall. So it must be stage managed, they're just puppets after all. There's one more payday when the little girls cry, so Justin Bieber must die. Justin Bieber must die. Justin Bieber must die. Justin Bieber must die. Justin Bieber, Justin Bieber, Justin Bieber must die. And you God is coming. You God comes from high. And you God is coming. Cute as apple pie, so. Justin Bieber must die. Justin Bieber must die. Justin Bieber must die. Justin Bieber, Justin Bieber, Justin Bieber must die. Justin Bieber must die. Justin Bieber must die. Justin Bieber, Justin Bieber, Justin Bieber must die. Justin Bieber, Justin Bieber, Justin Bieber, Justin Bieber, Justin Bieber, Justin Right, I hope you enjoyed that, and hope you don't think it was nasty towards Justin. It isn't. I'm, I'm quite quite fond of Justin. It's a very sympathetic portrait. It's um, much more a sort of uh, jaundiced look at the business uh, that uh, the young man is is in, and uh, the cutthroat nature of said business. Um, 
What came along next was, we, you know, obviously I'd, I'd sort of recuperated and we started playing some Four Candles gigs and things like that. And um, my friend Leone messaged me and she her, her message said, um, my boyfriend has just opened a bar stroke venue that I think you'd really like. You should go in and say hello and have a look. Um and and this place was called the Pier Hut. Um, and so I thanked Leonie and I said, I will do. And that very Sunday it was, because I was on my way to see uh, the cravats uh, at the uh, Star and Garter. And before I went to see the cravats, um, I called in at the Pier Hut. And I didn't see Nick, who uh, was Leonie's partner, uh, but his sort of business partner and, and great friend uh, and co-owner of the Pier Hat, Dom, was there. So so I chatted with Dom and, um, you know, I had a drink or two. And then Dom said, would you like to see the performance space? And he took me downstairs into um, the black room, the performance room of the Pier Hat. And I looked at it and... I got tingles up my spine. I just thought, this place is fantastic. Look at this. Right in the centre of Manchester, this fabulous workable space. Brilliant sight lines. Everything was brilliant. And I said, Dom, Dom, I will, I will, if, if I can, I will definitely do something here. And he said, yeah, yeah, we'd be so pleased if if you would. It would really help. So, so I went away sort of enthused and went to see the cravats uh, who were great do you like the cravats any of you i love the cravats my friend joe is in the cravats really really nice and 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 obviously shendy's is a fabulous figure as well um anyway that's besides the point uh, the following week uh, this must have been november and and i don't know what would it be would it be winter solstice phil it, it was some some that's december yeah well it might have been early december or something yeah. or whatever but some some event on the pagan calendar was being um celebrated by una at her house and and she often kindly invites me to her gatherings which are great fun um bonfire and lots of lovely food and sort of interesting people to just sit and chat and share experiences with. It's just nice. And um, and in came Leone with, with Nick. Um, Nick cut a very striking figure because he was, for some reason, dressed up as um, Killer Bob um, from Twin Peaks. Um, so uh, I... I, I went over to Nick and, and we got talking. I said, look, Nick, I want to do so. He said, well, I want you to play a gig anyway. So so he invited us to play a gig that he was promoting as uh, Sky Mouth Promotions. Uh, and I said, I said, that's great. We'll do that. We'll do that. But can I have uh, one night per week throughout January? There was, and, and he said, well, you can have Wednesday. I said, that's fine. It doesn't matter what, what, what day it is. Was it Wednesday? No, it wasn't. It was Monday, I think. Monday. You can have Monday, every Monday, uh, throughout January, which was five Mondays. And I said, I want to put on 
something. This was only formulated in my mind as I'm speaking to him. I'd not planned it. Um, I said, so give me every Monday. Uh, and and he was happy to do so. And um, and it set wheels in motion. So I went and played played the gig as Skymouth, his Skymouth gig, which was a really nice bill. And, and, and everything about the pier hat was was great, it was brilliant, as I thought it would be to play in there, except there was hardly anybody there, which was um, a bit of a problem and, uh, and, and made me worry about my Monday nights in January. Um, but anyway, I sort of buckled down and I christened these nights and started planning them. They were going to be called the Manchester Meltdown and for what um, weight it might carry... I attached my name to this, giving my seal of approval, so to speak, for uh, the acts that were playing, and four candles would play uh, each one of these in the very uh, uh, as 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 hosts uh, opening the night rather than sort of uh, you know the showstoppers, stars of the bill. We were very much not that it was it was certainly not about that at all it was about promoting um other talent and uh and 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 lending any reputation uh that i'd got to the event so we put together this this bill uh to uh, encompass the month of january and um and manchester meltdown was born and it was fantastic People turned out, I wouldn't say in the droves, you know, but there's healthy attendances which are wanted. We only charged £3 in with four acts on every night. And, and yet still, every week without fail, I was able to pay somebody, not a life-changing amount of £3 on the door in a venue with a capacity of 100 but everybody got some some expenses and everybody played to an audience which was important and it was varied and people had a good time and really enjoyed it i was ill again of course because i was playing gigs i always am and it was january and i'm always ill in january um but anyway that was manchester meltdown it was it's fantastic it was great and i was so pleased with it um and and that's pretty much where i'm going to leave you today the one thing that i want to leave you with is another track and it, it's going sort of out of kilter but it's another tribute at the very start of these podcasts i spoke to you um about my friend derek who had a stroke just as we went into lockdown and and he then had all sorts of complications he got covid19 um he got sepsis um he had another stroke <sighs> It was it was hellish for him, and uh, a month ago, um, he he passed away. He could take no more, um, and so I want to play something uh, for Derek and sort of as 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 a tribute to him. He was he was one of my very closest friends. He was like a big brother to me, and his favourite band were Massive Attack. And uh, I mean, we Derek and I have seen every Massive Attack show that has been played in Manchester, you know. He was obsessive about Massive Attack. And so we're going to play uh, play out with um, Rising Suns by Massive Attack. So, good night from me in the chair. 
Good night from Phil, the knob twiddler. And good night, no doubt, from Helen and her purple tresses. Good night. God bless. I don't believe in God. I don't know why I said that. Bye-bye.
Thank you very much for that, Ian. That's another episode, well, part one of an episode, should I say, um, of flowing backwards in the can. Um, part two of it will be very soon, as soon as we record it. It's good to have him here anyway. He's uh, um, hobbled down the stairs into my little, uh, my little grotto. I'm like Santa, aren't I? Right, so don't forget Facebook, which is Flow Backwards. Leave us a message, requests, whatever you want to do, we'll ignore them. Um, I'm, I'm joking. Uh, we do take note of things that you say. Um, but there you go. So goodbye from me, goodbye from him. And there's more, there's more. Don't worry, it's not the end. Um, there's at least another three episodes so you'll enjoy it one thing I will say is good night